your Bibles tonight to the Gospel of Luke chapter 11. I'll get there in a little bit. I did give considerable thought to what I, uh, as to what message I ought to bring tonight. And, uh, you know, being New Year's Eve and, uh, there's always a lot of different thoughts, New Year's type sermons that I, that I can think of and over the years, different ones that I've, uh, that I've preached. There's two in particular that I've preached on numerous occasions. But anyway, I decided that since we've been studying about prayer and since everything and I've tried to really stress this throughout our lessons on prayer. Since everything we do depends on prayer, I thought, well, I can't do any better uh, than to talk about prayer again tonight. And that's what we're going to do. If we fail in prayer, we're going to fail everywhere. And as we face this new year... Uh, Keep that in mind. If we fail in regards to prayer, the whole year is going to end up as a failure. We, uh, we've already talked about a lot of things. We started out by talking about a prayer request from Jesus. That was the, the very first message that we had. Uh, the next message had to do with victory through prayer. Then we talked about good prayer, save America. Then we talked about a house of prayer. We talked about prayer in the early church. We had another message called The Importance of Prayer. We had another message entitled Devoted to Prayer. We talked about the aspects of prayer and the hindrances of prayer, the key to prayer. So we've already been down a long road, and we've still got a ways to travel. But tonight, tonight we're going to talk about the perspectives of prayer. There are a lot of different ways that we can look at the subject of prayer. And the first thing I want you to notice is that prayer is a matter of family. Prayer is a matter of family. And uh, notice Luke 11, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, uh, as in heaven, so in earth. Now look down to verse number 9. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And everyone, for everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? And if ye then, being evil, there's no doubt about that, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? I said prayer is a matter of family. 
This just might be the most common reason why prayers are not answered. Religious surveys are really interesting. And I'm not going to get off into all of the statistics about anything tonight other than to say that in the surveys, it shows that most people uh, admit to praying. Just about everybody says, uh, you know, if you ask them, do you, do you ever pray? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I pray. But it's also even more obvious to the Bible believer that the majority of the people are not even saved. And if a person's not saved, they're certainly not going to be able to have an effective prayer life. Prayer is vain unless God is our Father. Unsaved people have no right whatsoever before God's throne of grace. That's not to say God never does anything good for them. He certainly does. That's not even to say that if an unsaved person prayed and asked God for something, that's not to say that there might not be an occasion where in the divine providence of God that God would do it, hoping, you know, that the goodness of God would lead him to repentance. So, you know, don't put God in a box and try to dictate what God can and what God can't do. We we don't know that, but we do know that, that an unsafe person have, has no no rights before God's throne. And, and yet we have all of these people talking about the fact that they pray. You know, we'll be going through a drought or something. The governor will call for the state, you know, uh, calling everybody to prayer. We need to pray. we got to have rain. The crops are dying. The economy is going in the tank. Da, 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 da. And here's some guy that cares nothing about the, mor- the morals of our nation, a guy that would vote for butchering little innocent babies and what have you, and then talk about getting up and praying. That's the biggest bunch of nonsense there ever was. And, uh, I, boy, I could go on and on. I could get into the, I could get into, you know, the athletes and the entertainers and what have you. Also talking about, uh, yeah, their, their prayer life. I, I, I happened to notice this and I, I copied it off and I can't hardly read it. It come out, Katy Perry, I, I she's the famous singer is all, all I know. I don't, uh, and I wouldn't have even known she was the idiot that 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 I guess wrote and sang that song. I kissed a girl, and uh, and I, I, in anyway, that's who I'm talking about. And what you need to know is that evidently, and I didn't know this, uh, Katy Perry was raised in a Christian home. She said 100% Christian, and. Uh, of course, this is going to be a clue to what might have been wrong. Both her mom and dad are ministers, so that tells you something. But but here's what she said. She's revealing that while she prays, she no longer identifies with Christianity. She said, I don't believe in heaven or a hell or an old man sitting on a throne. I believe in a higher power bigger than uh, than me because that keeps me accountable. And and then she goes on and on, and she told this woman, the interviewer there, that she no longer considers herself a Christian despite being raised by Christian ministers. She said, I'm not a Buddhist. I'm not Hindu. I'm not Christian. 
but I still feel that like I have a deep conviction connection with God. I pray all of the time for self-control, for humility. That's what I'm talking about. There are a lot of people that would say, uh, I pray, and even some of them would admit, I'm not even a Christian. And I'm telling you, there are a lot of people that profess to be Christians that pray, and their prayers are never answered, and the main reason why is because they're not even saved. Prayer is a matter of family. Uh, you know... <laughs> Your neighbor's not responsible for your children. I mean, can, can you imagine, of course, we raised eight kids, and, and can you imagine our kids going down to the neighbor's house and saying, you know, what do we got for supper tonight? Uh, what, what do you mean? Well, I'm hungry. It's supper time. And Mom said she didn't have anything ready. She said, go down and ask one of the neighbors for supper tonight. Well, they'd think we'd lost our cotton-picking mind to do something like that. Why? Well, they're not the parents. They're not responsible. And listen, as 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 important as this is and devastating to those that are not Christian, for those of you that are believers, and I hope that includes all of us, to think about having God, the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the one that created and controls all the universe, to be a child of the King, to have God as your Father, I mean, man, that ought to excite us and that ought to, that ought to encourage us to spend much time in prayer. I love that old song, I'm a child of the King. His royal blood now flows through my veins and thank God for that. So prayer is a matter of family. Secondly, we've already talked about this in John 15, 7, and uh, this has to do with the fact that prayer is a matter of fellowship. We had an entire lesson on this, the key to prayer. I said, if we had to sum it all up in one statement, would be that particular verse where it talks about abiding in Christ. In other words, effective prayer is a matter of family, but it's also a matter of being in fellowship with God, that is, being in communion with God. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 9 says that we are called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So sincere prayer demands that we give, that we give God time for our prayer, that we confess all of our known sins to God, that we're in a good standing with God, because some are in God's family, but not in fellowship with the Lord. And you parents know exactly what I'm talking about. Your child never stops being your child, but there are some times when they've been in rebellion that there's not that sweet, loving fellowship between the two of you. And sometimes when we, as God's children, get out of the will of God, God doesn't disown us. Aren't you glad? I'm so glad for the for the doctrine of the security of the believer to know that when we've been born again into the family of God, there's absolutely nothing that we can do, nothing the devil can do, nothing anybody can do uh, to to reverse that. We are a child of God, but if our prayers are going to be effective, we've got to be in fellowship with God. Number three, here's the third perspective of prayer. It's also a matter 
of forgiveness. Look at verse 25 in Mark. Turn to Mark. Mark chapter 11 and verse number 25. We actually see this here in, uh, in this same chapter, but, uh, but we'll look at it. It's worded a, a bit different, and I want to emphasize what's said here. Mark eleven twenty five, and when you stand praying, forgive. But, you know, over the years, there's been so much emphasis put on the posture in prayer. Maybe we'll talk about that in some other message. I've got preacher friends that, I mean, they absolutely, they think you are some kind of a heathen if, if you do not kneel in prayer. And anytime you pray... And before they preach, when they're standing behind the pulpit, and it's so funny, the first time I saw this several years ago in Tennessee, I'd never seen anybody do this. And, of course, back there they do things a lot different. Uh, you'll have a prayer meeting, and everybody in the building's praying out loud. You know, just everybody's, my Lord, I can't even think what I'm saying. I mean, voices coming from every direction, but... Anyway, this, this preacher friend of mine got up there and said, all right, let's uh, have a word of prayer. And he just disappeared. And I thought, where did he go? Well, he knelt down behind the pulpit. Now, look, that's okay with me. That's fine with me. Nothing wrong with that until they start criticizing me for standing up, you know, while I'm praying. So whether you're standing, kneeling, or just lying prostrate on the floor, regardless of the position that you're in. Here's the point here. When you pray, he says, forgive. If ye have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. So, Prayer is a matter of family, it's a matter of fellowship, it's a matter of forgiveness. And one of the, listen, one of the telltale signs that we are out of fellowship with God is our attitude toward other people, our unwillingness to, to forgive them. We often talk about Christian love, and what we sometimes forget is that Christian love is an unconditional love. I mean, we look, every single person can look at their spouse, their children, their parents. We can look around in this church, and every person in this church has certain faults. Uh, some, you know, have outstanding characteristics, and you love them to pieces, but there's always, you know, there's, you know, that one thing or those two things that, you know, that trouble you. Well, you know, so what? Just just as you have to put up with their faults, they have to put up with yours. There are going to be times that, that you fail and times that they fail, and we need to learn to forgive one another. And if we don't, if we don't, now remember, everything depends on prayer. If our prayers are not effective, everything else is going to be hindered. And if we're not willing to forgive each other, then God is not going to answer our prayers. So it's a matter of family, matter of fellowship, matter of forgiveness. Look in Matthew chapter number 9, and this is just one of many illustrations of, that we could use. I want you to see it's a matter of faith, a matter of faith. Chapter 29, verse number 27, the two blind men healed. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, 
Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. And he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, be it unto you. Now, that's just one section of Scripture, and there are so many that speak about that speak about the importance of faith whenever we whenever we uh, pray. Remember there in Hebrews 11, verse 6, where it tells us, For without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So faith is absolutely essential to you and I pleasing God and having an effective prayer life. Have you ever thought about the fact, and, and some people, you know, they try to excuse their lack of faith as though it's just a, you know, a mere weakness. You know, and they say things like, well, you know, I, I just don't have strong faith like you do, you know, whoever they're talking to. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm just weak in my faith. I, I, I'm just troubled by doubts as though it's some weakness. And what we need to understand is it's a serious sin for us not to trust God is a sin. And have you ever thought about what an insult it must be to God, the, the, you know, the one who is perfect in every way, and for us to say to him, you know, I'm not going to trust you. You know, I don't think you're dependable. I don't think I can rely upon you. If we want our prayers answered, and here's the great thing about it, if we want our prayers answered, we need strong faith in God and if our faith isn't strong, this is something we can do something about. Amen? Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So there's never any excuse for us lacking in faith. One more thing. It's also the last perspective of prayer. It's a matter of fighting. It's a matter of fighting. Turn over to Hebrews just for a moment and here in Hebrews chapter number 5 and and verse number 7, and uh, I wish we had time to go back to Daniel and, and talk about what happened back there. That's another good illustration. But here in verse 7 says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. And so, and this referring here back, of course, to uh, Christ and the priest forever after the order of Melchizedek and so on and so forth. But but notice there is struggling going on here. Uh, and as the Bible tells us, it's a spiritual warfare that we are engaged in. And when I referred back to Daniel, of course, I was referring to that instance where, you know, the Lord said, well, the prayer is already answered, already sent on the way. But what happened? Well, but wasn't it Michael, the archangel, that was hindered by, by Satan? And so here they're battling it out. And sometimes we wonder about our delayed answers to prayer. And we think, oh, God's never going to hear me. God's never going to do anything. And we forget sometimes about this spiritual struggle that's going on. But listen, that struggle is not only just there uh, in the atmospheric heaven going on, you know, between Satan and angelic beings and so forth. 
prayer itself is pictured as, as a struggle. For example, in Genesis 32 and verse 24, talking about Jacob, it's pictured there by wrestling. Jacob wrestled with the Lord. Uh, what's, what's that old song we used to sing? As Jacob in the days of old wrestled with the Lord. Oh, I will not be denied. Y'all remember that old song? I will not be denied. That ought to be our attitude. And it's as though that we are wrestling. And then Romans 15 and verse 30 speaks about prayer as striving. Colossians 4 speaks about it as, um, as laboring. Uh, and so prayer is a struggle. It, it, it just might be the most difficult thing we do. Many years ago, I come across a little book by a fellow of the name of Jeffrey King. And uh, he was, I think, Scottish, if I remember right, uh, uh, somewhere over there. And I had, at that time, I had never, and I'd read Spurgeon's sermons and what have you, but, but this guy had a unique way of saying things, and, and it was so picturesque. He, he could just paint a word picture that would, well, as we'd say in Missouri, just knock your socks off. It's like, wow. You know, how did he do that? And, but, but to make a long story short, in regards to prayer, he said something that I jotted down and I've kept with me all of these years. And, and it's something you need to really think through. But, but here's what he said. It seems, now this is not, this is not a burst of eloquence or anything like I was just talking about. You know, I'm not talking about him being a great orator now or anything like that, but just the insight. It seems as though the most costly thing our Lord ever did was to pray. He stilled the storm with a word. He could cast out devils of a man, a thousand of them, with a word and seemingly no effort whatsoever. When he healed people, virtue went out of him, and that did seem to cost him something, but... It was only in prayer that he sweated blood. Now think about that for a little while. This is the Son of God, the one that was active in creation, the one that was perfect in all of his ways, the one that lived his life in total submission to the will of the Father, the one that went about doing good, the one who could, you know, unstop the ears of the deaf and raise the dead and heal the leper and still the storm and all, every, all of the things he did. And there he is in the garden and praying and pouring out his soul into the Lord, under the Father, and he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. Now, I'm telling you, if, if, Jesus, if Jesus prayed in a manner such as that, don't you tell me that prayer is not a struggle for us. Uh, Satan will attack us on every side and in every way when we try to get serious about prayer. And you mark it down this new year, you resolve in your heart here tonight that I'm going to be more of a prayer warrior. I'm going to spend more time praying. I'm going to be somebody that people can depend upon, you know, and I'm going to have the kind of prayer life that I ought to have. And you're in for a fight. You're in for a fight. Let me tell you, people need you. I'll never forget several years ago and uh, 
and I, I was in, in, in I was in the bookstore uh, where Warren Wisby was the pastor back at that time. It was a Baptist church, and uh, old brother Estep had been his pastor, the former pastor, and Mrs. Estep was still alive and there in the church. And uh, I, I'll never forget their new pastor happened to be there. And so I was talking to him, introduced myself, and talking to him there, and uh, sharing some things, and got ready to go. And he, we we shook hands. This dad's uh, this this fellow's dad was the pastor of Tennessee Temple and the, the head of the college and everything there. So a very distinguished man and eloquent preacher and so forth. But he looked me in the eye, and he said, "I promise you, I'm going to be praying for you." I don't know that I'd had a lot of people, probably thousands of people over the years that had told me, I'll be praying for you. I don't think I'd ever had anyone look me in the eye and say, I promise. And you could tell he was emphatic about it. I promise I'm going to be praying for you. And I left there that day convinced that that preacher meant what he said. And, and, and it meant something to me. And I'm telling you, there are folks that are depending on you and me and, and and their needs, just like your needs, are so great. We dare not fail when it comes to this matter of prayer. And it's going to be a fight, but don't you dare give in. God bless you. Happy New Year. Enjoy the evening. Let's all stand together and we're going to have prayer.